Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fully Booked, the Hidden Gems author podcast in which Craig Touch and myself, Roland Hume, discuss the uh, complicated, complex, promising world of self-publishing and publishing and everything to do with that particular industry. And today we are very excited to have a special guest returning. It is Karen White, who is an audiobook narrator and an author herself, who came and graced us with her presence in episode two to talk about audiobooks, which is a really fascinating episode. And now we are so excited to have you back uh, to continue that conversation. So how are you doing today, Karen? I am well. It's nice to see you guys. I know no one else can see you, but I can see you. And (laughs) it's good good to be back. Well, we are very happy to have you. And of course, we wouldn't be here without the man himself, Craig Touch, the owner and founder of Hidden Gems Books and an author himself. How are you doing today, Craig? Doing great. Thanks. Um, yeah, well, you know, some people can see us if they're watching us on YouTube, but most oh. of the people, I think, are are just listening on, uh, you know, Spotify. Yeah, stop picking your nose, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't forget, they can see you when you're talking. Put your makeup on. <laughs> um yeah, you know, you were on, uh, you know, way back in episode two, and, you know, we talked about audiobooks and narrating. I mean, we had you on um, with Saren Goer, who uh, who can make it this time, but uh, but we had promised back at the end of that one that um, we would have you back on to talk about the marketing side of it, because we didn't get into that uh, during that first um, discussion, and um back to, t- to take so long here we are you know 40 episodes later but but yeah, but listen we're back and uh, and we want to talk about the marketing side of it so um you know what can you well tell i think us? the timing is is better for me in some ways because um i when we talked um six months ago i had just started working with other authors to market their books so my marketing experience was built on my uh, experience as a narrator for several years using social media to sort of further my career, um, as well as my experience. I, I served on the uh, Audiobook Publishers Association um, uh, PR and Events Committee, and um, then on my own experience marketing my audio uh, my audiobooks that I, uh, books that I wrote. But now I've got a good six months experience behind me of of working with other authors. And I have been able to see that I've been able to replicate um, what I found to be working for myself. So it's good timing. Yeah, that's always key, right? Like, you know, we find that we can do something with our own books, with advertising, marketing, all that stuff. And then um, and especially, you know, we talk about this when we when we write blogs or, or have episodes on marketing where, you know, it's not always apples to apples where you can totally just say, oh, here are the steps. Follow, do this, 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 because that worked for me. So it'll work for you. Right. So it's not always that way. Right. That is very true. Um, and I think that is a key also to when you're looking at marketing audiobooks. I think most authors who have gotten to the point where um, their level of sales, of success, warrants the investment in audiobooks, which we talked about in the first, in the other episode, they tend to do one of two things: um, do the exact same thing they would do to market their eBooks. Um, well, maybe three things. Um, 
hire a narrator in hopes that that narrator will um, sell the books for them or do nothing at all <laughs> because I, there's so much effort that goes into creating audiobooks and um, that they tend to sort of be like, oh, all right, it's done. I'm just going to see what happens. But as as you can imagine, that's not always successful. Neither is relying on the narrator. Sometimes that works. You are definitely going to get sales based on your narrator if it is a popular one, but you can't just rely on that. Um, and you can't only do the things that you would do for your eBooks and your print books, because while there is a Venn diagram of overlap between those audiences, they really are separate audiences. Right. I mean, I can see like if you had Morgan Freeman narrating your uh, audiobook, <laughs> you know, somebody who's famous or with a super awesome narration voice, then uh, that would probably move books on its own, right? But in well, general, but I even agree. then, unless he's your uncle and he does it for <laughs> free, to be able to pay, the problem is the more, the, the higher the chance that the narrator is going to just sell the book, just free. I mean, that's going to be the thing that sells your book, the more expensive that narrator is. So that's where you get into this. Um, how much do you spend for a narrator that will draw the audience? Then you have to make that back. So, and now there's that whole idea of, and I've seen this since we recorded that first one, it's not necessarily about marketing, but about narration, where, uh, you know, there's this like uh, growing AI computer narration model coming up, right? Which I I have heard um, a few samples. It's better than it than it used to be, but you can still tell, right? So I'm not sure that I would ever, maybe for a nonfiction book, maybe, but I would never... Uh, it's definitely not to the point where I would ever use that for a fiction book. And uh, what are your thoughts on those? Well, I may be biased. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, like. um, I mean, I think to think about it in terms of, would you want to read a book that was written by an AI? You know, I mean, that it, it's, I think if you're talking about, well, even if you're talking about something that's like an instructional manual. Yeah, maybe the AI can do that and it's fine. And um, but at the same time, if if there's passion in your book of any kind, like if it's a even if it's a nonfiction book, but it's a subject that you are passionate about, that's what the what the audiobook narrator brings to it is that human emotion that connects to the listener. And that's what the listeners want. I'm sure that there is a subset of people, there is a subset of people who will listen to Google read the book to them already. So um, unfortunately, I think we are going to have a dumbing down of ears um, to the point that people will get used to it. Um, and I'm sh and AI will eventually take over a chunk of the industry, but I don't believe we're there now. And no, um, no. I think it's a it's a huge mistake to make just as I think it's a mistake for an author to read their own work if it's fiction that requires characterization that requires an emotional arc you know all those things um you have to have a lot of training to 
to be able to accomplish those things as an actor, um, but also specifically as an audiobook narrator to to create a product that is at the level that um, discerning listeners expect. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. I think that, um, you know, I don't even think we'll ever get to the point where it replaces audiobook narration, human audiobook narration 100%. But I think, you know, they'll keep pushing it forward and, and people that are more budget conscious will, you know, use that as a way to be like, well, that's the only way I'm ever going to get an audiobook done. So I'll go with that route. And then, you know, maybe they'll, they'll have some success and realize, Hey, it wasn't so hard and let's try a human and let's see if it, if it does better. And then they'll f- probably find out that it does. And so maybe it'll be a stepping stone to people, a way for them to sort of break into audiobooks. Um, but anyways, that, you know, that was just sort of an aside because I, I read about that sort of since we last spoke and, uh, doesn't really necessarily have to tie into marketing here. So let's get back to that. But um, so, so how would you start with marketing um, an audiobook? Like you said, it's different than marketing a regular book. So, well, for instance, when I have an author come to me and want help with, um, uh, with marketing their audiobooks, the first thing I do is I look at their website and their social media, um, how they're presenting their books. And uh, the thing a lot of people, it seems so obvious, but a lot of people just forget to highlight their audiobooks on their book pages on their website. So that, you know, in a book page, you'll have your buy buttons. Oftentimes you'll have an excerpt. Well, you need to have the audiobook buy buttons and you need to have an audiobook excerpt as well, um, which is, t- you know, keep telling people that your book is also available in audio. That kind of thing where, um you're you're presenting the option aggressively <laughs> i guess or cleanly clearly um to the audience that already exists um then um the another thing is to start thinking about marketing even unfortunately usually clients have already have the book published um uh produced by the time they come to me. But I suggest, if I can, to to begin that process early on. And that includes, but we already sort of stepped into this, um, your choice of narrators, um, how, you know, looking at your budget, how much are you willing to spend to get somebody who may help sell your book without relying on that. Um, uh, Part of it also is making sure that the book is well cast in terms of its genre um, as an example, um, you know, someone who may have a great voice, who may be um, wonderful for um, a thriller, but especially males who don't do female voices well, or no, it's both ways. Males who don't do female voices well and females who aren't as great with male voices do not do well in romance because those listeners expect um, to feel like it's a couple talking. Um, other choices about, you know, do you want to do dual versus duet? It's, you know, you have to make sure that the book is cast appropriately for what the audience expects. Um, for, again, to go back to thrillers, you've got to have somebody who knows about pacing, who's, you know, who who's able to um, move the book forward. Fantasy, someone who can do all the crazy characters, you know, so 
each genre has its own demands. And you want to make sure, again, you're meeting the expectations of the new to you audiobook listeners. Um, So that's part of it. The other um, is to gather your marketing assets while the book is in production. So there's a number of different things you want to include. Um, what I suggest is, you know, how um, back matter becomes really important in if you're writing in a series and you want to be able to um, direct um, readers to that next book. Well, in an audiobook, they're not um, reading it, obviously, with their eyes. They're not, there's no um, text that they could like click on and take them to a link. So in your back matter, I suggest two things. One, have one um, web address that is extremely easy to understand and um, remember that will direct them, you know, for instance, mine is uh, to learn more about Karen Gray books, uh, join her VIP group at followkarengray.com. And then I don't give like my Facebook and my Instagram and all the other things. One thing. The other thing I suggest is recording a, having your narrator record a very simple, um, uh, keep listening for a sample of another book by Karen Gray, something like that, which then, whether it's the next book in the series or a different book that you have, you can slide in either up on your first, when you first upload the book, or maybe you haven't, don't have another book yet. So once you have the second book up, you can slide that in and then a sample chapter before your closing credits. But to have your narrator go back and record these things later is expensive if you don't know the narrator and annoying if you do know the narrator to the narrator, <laughs> you do know them. So if you want to keep uh, in good graces with your producer and your narrator, then you want to think about these things ahead of time. Um, I was just going to quickly say, do you ever run into issues with the licensing with that? Because I know I've done some video work in the past where we've recorded a script with somebody and then we've repurposed the video for something else. And we just thought we could reuse that. And they're like, oh, no, if it's a new video, you have to pay whole new licensing things. So is there any stage in the negotiation with the voice artists when you speak about that? No, although I I do have an email out to the actors union about using youtube for samples so we'll have to sort of put a pin in that discussion for later but um but no you when you um pay a narrator for an audiobook you have the rights to sell that audiobook however you want and to um you can put limits on how much of a um um of a sample others can use to market your book um and when you're exclusive with audible you there is also a, a limit i believe on how much of the audiobook you can use to um to also to market it um so there's that but no in in terms of putting a sample chapter in as long as it's your book um, you couldn't obviously do another author's book, but why would you want to do that? So, um, so uh, does that answer your question? 
Yes, it does. I mean, it, it, it's just an interesting thing. I don't think a lot of voice artists think about it in, in the same way because maybe when you work with radio or music or something like that, it's different. But it's it's one of those things, I think, that is worth bearing in mind. Yes. Well, the audiobook contract for voice actors is, is very specific to audiobooks, um, which is why I have the question out about people using YouTube to market or sell their audiobooks, which is maybe problematic. And I'm hoping to get clarity on that. But um, in terms, because YouTube obviously is a place where um, we have actors have, we have actor agreements regarding performances, yeah, video performances, how that applies to audiobooks, I am not yet sure. But in terms of your audiobook, you, when you pay that um, actor or that production uh, company, you have, you have the rights to that work. If you're royalty shared, that's a different that's a different um, animal. However, I cannot, you know, then the uh, the performer or the producer um, benefits from you promoting the next book as long as you are working again with them. So, um, yeah, I was going to actually ask that because uh, I remember in our original discussion we had talked about the the different ways that you could. Um, structure things right where you hire them to do the work or that you have that royalty share um so i I agree it it would benefit them uh so i would assume that they'd be fine with it but um in general though does the royalty share really give them any sort of creative control anyway or is it just they just get paid a different way what do you mean creative control well like you know how we're sort of saying like whether or not they can you know, you have the rights to do it or whatever because you've hired them or whatever, but is royalty share really changing those rights anyways? Like, I, would it really change anything anyway? Um, or is it just a payment? It's just a different payment model. Um, I believe, essentially, it's a different payment model. The difference in terms of marketing is that it behooves the narrator to help you market the book because the more the book sells the more money they get. Um, Whereas if you have just hired the narrator um, and paid them beforehand, then you can't really expect them to help you market it because it doesn't benefit them in any way. Some narrators will help you market it simply because they're trying to promote their own career. So if your book does well, then that looks good for them. but you can't, but it's more likely that you're going to have the um, narrator's enthusiastic uh, participation if they have a skin in the game. Right. Okay. So just one, two more things that I want to suggest that you think about ahead of time um, in the recording process is when you are recording, say, the final book in a series, you want to get um, the extra credits. Um, recorded for a box set or a bundle, I think they call it. Um, And you can look on Audible's website to get what they expect for that. And then the other distributors have pretty much the same expectation. But it's it's basically a beginning um, uh, credit for the whole bundle, um, giving credits for all the narrators in it, and the closing credits, which would have the new copyright date and also uh, the same thing, whoever needs to be credited. Um, But the big thing I think that um, 
I recommend, especially if you are not a person who is confident with technology, is giving your production, uh, your narrator or your production company um, a few teasers. So to me, a teaser is a tiny little snippet of text that you might use in your ebook or print marketing um, and asking, giving them the location of those teasers in the book and asking them to cut those snippets out for you so that you have them as assets when you are going to market the book. So those are the things I recommend before um, you even start recording because you want to give your narrators and your production team that information beforehand. Then uh, while they're recording, um, you can do a number of things. A, a big one is it depends on where you are, um, whether you're going exclusive with Audible or um, publishing wide from the start, but you might want to think about trying to set um, a release date and maybe even a pre-order, which is a little complicated um, and you requires a great deal of patience um, if you're working with ACX. Um, other distributors are beginning to think about allowing pre-orders um, as and release dates, but Kobo, I think, is the next one um, who's most likely to allow you to do that. Um, if you are uh, direct directly uploading to them, which I highly recommend because they have um, some really great audiobook promotions you can sign up for only if you are with them direct. The reason, obviously, to set up a pre-order or release date is that that allows you to plan a marketing campaign. What happens with a lot of authors, um, if especially uh, in 2020, I don't know if you guys know about this, but there was part, mostly because of the pandemic, there was just this crazy thing where ACX was taking months to get books through their funnel. and. I think because of that, a lot of authors are like, I don't know when this book is coming out. Um, and so it, they even didn't even try to plan. But now you can go through their process and set up a pre-order and or a release. It does take time, at least a month to get a pre-order um, and at least two weeks ahead to get um, a release date. And you have to claim your book and ask for it before you upload the book. Otherwise, the book will just go through the funnel and be ready when it's ready. I mean, be available when it's when they're done and you have no control. Um, unfortunately, when you're uploading wide, with especially with Findaway, they don't have a lot of control over how long it takes the various distributors to um, upload the book. So uh, when you're creating a marketing campaign, you just have to keep all these things in mind and aim for um, a a rollout that can highlight your book, but not too far ahead. You don't, you don't want to be marketing your book when there's nowhere for the person to um, buy it. So that's that. Um, another thing I recommend is really using your review copies wisely. Um, a lot of authors came up, I mean, it's sort of like, I feel like it, it, um, audiobook sales um, kind of echo what happened with early adopters into self-publishing, where people who, who sort of got in in the late 20, 
tens and uh, teens where it was almost like, oh, you just put a book up there and it'll sell. You know, people who were able to sort of get that wave. We had a similar wave with Audible where when ACX was first coming out, um, probably about five five years in where, you know, everything, all the bugs were worked out and people and audiobook listening was really growing. Um, people could just sell books, you know, without even trying. And part of that was that Audible ACX was extremely liberal with giving out review codes. And for a short period of time, you actually got paid when someone downloaded that book because Audible was still in that time of just trying to increase listeners wanting to have a very full catalog. So that is gone. Um, you That gravy train is long, long gone. And um, right now you can max, I mean, unless you have a special deal with ACX, the typical author gets 25 US and 25 UK codes until you have a certain number of sales across your platform, and then you can get 25 more. And that is it. You are done. So rely and just giving out those codes willy-nilly is no longer a good strategy. Um, my recommendation is to host um, advanced listening copies yourself and um, then to give out the audio codes once you have release. So you can have people starting to post on Goodreads and or BookBub um, before the audiobook comes out and then give out the review codes to your trusted reviewers so that you know that um, when I when I first published my first book, I was just giving them out because I figured, oh, people are nice. They'll, they'll definitely um, write reviews when I give them the codes. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, you sweet so much that way. <laughs> We've yeah, had that you, as well, yeah. You guys know uh, a lot about that. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have this business if that was true. <laughs> yes, exactly. So um that is a big part of my business is I have cultivated a sort of group of passionate listeners and reviewers and social media influencers who love audiobooks and and who not only write reviews, but they write really good, I mean, well written reviews. Um, so, um, cause that's the other thing is a lot of the time you'll get reviews and it, it either won't have anything to do with the, the book because they're only writing about the narrators or, uh, the opposite. They just write about the book and don't even mention that they've listened to the audiobook, which does your audiobook sales no good. Um, a quick question about that. Is there any particular benefit to having an audible um, review like copy uh, when the actual reviews get posted? Because, you know, is, is it like on a, a regular Amazon book where you get the verified purchase, which kind of makes it go to the top? Um, well, oh, no, it's different than that in that you you cannot post a review on Audible unless you have listened to the book on Audible. Gotcha. So... Kobo, Apple, Google, there's one other, um, well, Amazon. So someone can listen to the book either through a review copy that you sent through BookFunnel or through um, Soundwise um, and review it on Amazon most of the time. Um, 
but you must have listened to the book on Audible, purchased it or a, an official review copy to review on Audible. So um, I have a question about that. So if you look at um, a book on Amazon that has an audio book um, and the, uh, it's tied to the book, um, so, you know, you'll see, you know, Kindle and hardcover and paperback and audiobook. So, uh, like, like any review, because they're tied, um, all of the reviews on any of those formats shows up on the other formats. Um, so often that's how authors get sort of early reviews, uh, before their ebook is published, they'll publish a paperback version. People leave their reviews on that. Then the ebook comes up and they get tied together. And then all, all of a sudden the ebook has tons. So um, when your audiobook is tied to it, like I'm looking at one here and, and it says that there's 197, you know, reviews. Um, and that's on, you know, it's got it, like, no matter which one you click on, it's, it says that obviously it, maybe none of those are audiobook reviews. Maybe some of them, certainly not all of them. Um, so is that showing, like, if I was to then, I guess, look at that book on Audible itself, I guess, which is, you know, a different website, even though it's sort of hosted within the page. Like, if I click on audiobook on Amazon, uh, it shows Audible in the corner. And so, but I assume if I went to audio, uh, Audible itself, then looked up that book, I would probably only see the audiobook reviews. Well, it's, it's, it's complicated. And um, this is where, this is, I think, the, one of the biggest um, considerations when you, an author is deciding whether to go exclusive with ACX or not. Um, because what happens when you go to the Audible page and you go to that book's page or the author's like if you search the author's name and you come up with a list of books on Audible, it's only the Audible reviews that show until you click the book and scroll down and it'll say it'll have a tab of Audible reviews and then it'll have a tab of Amazon reviews. But it's the Audible reviews that show up at the bottom first. You have to click on it to get the Amazon reviews. And but at the top, in, in the places where, um, again, the author's page or the books, um, the series listing or the books page, when you're just looking at it as um, a, a list of search results, you only see the audible reviews or ratings even. So um, not just written reviews, but stars. In addition, the audible ratings include performance. Um, so... To me, personally, it looks a little fishy when <laughs> there's no reviews or just two reviews. It just seems like, well, this is not very serious. You know, I, I don't know if I'm going to buy it. And, and you can't find out anything about the performance. So that my strategy, and I, you know, I know some even audiobook publishers strategy um, is to small publishers, is to publish exclusive with ACX for the 90-day window that is required and then go wide so that you can get the maximum number of reviews um, with your early 
and and get the higher percentage of sales with your early hit and then um, expand so that uh, you can have that broader reach. You can be in libraries and you can run sales, which to me is one of the most um, uh, powerful tools you have as a, as a marketer in audiobooks, especially once you have a number of only really once you have a number of books out so that you can use one book to drive the sale of other books, um, which when you're exclusive with ACX, they have sales, but you have no control and they don't tell you if your book is on sale. So you can't Oof. even, you can't even, I mean, you'd have to go and look and it, then it's hard to tell unless um, you, uh, yeah, so you you have to be you have to be able to look at it as a not yourself as a as a um, look at your Audible page as a consumer to be able to tell when it's on sale. So if, if it's on sale, do do you still get your full payment on each sale? Who knows? <laughs> Honestly, I mean, they're reporting. I mean, I shouldn't say these things out loud into a large audience. But, um, Fine, no one's listening. Uh, but <laughs> their their reporting is terrible, terrible. And I think that um, in addition, um, um, I'm, I'm sure you guys are well aware of the recent change that Amazon made regarding um, the fact that you can't return eBooks so easily and um, prolifically. <laughs> some some buyers were doing well. Uh, there was a Audible Gate happened a couple of years ago where um, it had been hidden, completely hidden to authors that uh, Audible was allowing people to return books and then removing those sales from the author's um, uh, return where, you know, especially if it's a, um, a, a subscription sale, they still get the money because they're just getting it from a different book, but it is gone from your account. So since then they have shown they, now you can see how many returns you have, but you don't see when they happened. There's no reason for it that you get. Um, I mean, I think it would be useful if there were people returning it because there were problems. Um, uh, for instance, I know an author who like left a chapter out when she uploaded and wasn't really paying attention to her reviews and people were complaining like, this is really weird. It jumps from chapter 24 to 26. And, um, you know, that's problematic and you would want to know about that. But um, I think it's, the reporting is so difficult and so problematic that um, that's one of the reasons why a lot of authors are are going wide. Um, Many from the beginning and, one positive to that is that it gives you a lot more control. You could, I know authors who are setting pre-orders, pre-sales essentially um, by selling direct and that trains your uh, audience to buy direct from you. So, you know, there's a lot of advantages to, to not relying just on Audible. Um, one thing that I want to make really clear about this, and it's, a, and it's an understandable confusion, but Going, uh, a lot of authors feel, uh, rightly, I think, that 
if they choose KU, it's if they then go wide, that's a whole different audience. So you don't want to just go back and forth um, because a KU reader is someone who has, has subscribed to that. And their expectation is they're going to be reading all their books within that subscription model. And they're very reticent to purchase books um, with, with actually with hard-earned cash. Um, the difference with your Audible exclusive or ACX exclusive versus Audible wide is that the Audible subscriber can still get your book for the same subscription. It is no different. It is not different to them. The difference is to you as the author as to what royalties you're getting. And it's a hefty difference. Um, so, but it's important to know that all your marketing efforts are then not lost because to the audible listener, your books are still there. And the listeners in the since Audible Gate, because part of that was not just the fact that um, Audible was hiding this whole return system from its authors, but the reason it happened, it coincided with the end of um, Audible's big subscription program where it was like an all-you-can-eat buffet. Um, and that trained listeners. I think no one quite understood how many books a person can listen to in a week. I mean, there are people who listen all day long while they're working, while they're doing whatever they're doing, they are listening and they can consume a great many hours of audiobooks. And so everybody was kind of losing money on this, but these listeners were trained to, well, I can, I can just have as many as I want. Um, so when the Audible escape plan went away, I think that coincided with listeners figuring out that they can return, they can catch and release. They can listen to it and then give it back because that's what they were doing before. Um, but that was sort of on the shady side of things. But a lot of um, listeners then realized, well, I can go to Chirp and buy books on sale. I can go to Hoopla and to Libby and listen to books from my library. So for um, indie authors, whereas before it didn't make a whole lot of sense to be in libraries because their listeners were primarily at Audible. Now that the listeners have expanded their horizons, it makes more sense for authors to do the same. Right. So we've we've covered a lot about, um, you know, the the things that you need to think about before you start marketing and entering and while you're doing all that. But uh, I think what we haven't really touched a lot on is how you market the book and where you market the book. So let's cover that because we're, you know, we're kind of running out of time. So, and yeah. I think that's a lot of people want to know about that. Well, um, one of the biggest things that you want to do, like I said, is use those assets. So um, when you get your book recorded, you, you get a retail sample and um, you should definitely use that to help market your book, but not just that. So I talked about um, highlighting your uh, audiobooks on your website. Um, you can embed in your website using either SoundCloud or YouTube, I think. Um, not just that retail sample, because they can get that retail sample at any of the um, 
the retailers, I recommend putting an entire chapter, maybe two or three, depending on the length of your book. If it's like a, you know, a 12 hour fantasy, then you should definitely put at least two chapters, maybe three. If it's just a novella, then don't, you really don't want to do more than chapter, but you want enough to capture their attention as they're listening with your buy buttons right there on your website so that when they've finished listening, they want to do that. They want to just push that button and buy your book. If um, some people don't have that kind of ability to um, change up their websites, another way to do it is as long as we're good with um, YouTube is to put those samples on YouTube or SoundCloud and put the, the buy links in the comments. That's another way to have um, a presence of the audiobook that you can direct uh, listeners to. Again, you want to get them hooked on the book. Five minutes is great. Five minutes is what most listeners use to see, uh, is this somebody I want to listen to for 10 hours? You know, um, that's basically what that retail sample does for you. But you want people to be invested in the story. So um, hosting a larger sample is, is one big uh, thing you can do. Then um, you can use your street team, your whoever you've got um, when you're releasing a book. Um, if it's maybe other author friends or your... Um, uh, people who you who you work with who are influencers, you I highly recommend um, using your cover art, the square cover that you have created that looks professional. <laughs> Does it look like you just kind of squished the ebook cover into a square, um, which is important. Uh, use that and create your social media posts that say things like "now in audio." Um, currently listening, you know, those kind of things that direct people to the fact you can create on BookBrush or on Canva. Um, you can create 3D, um, I always stumble on these words, but you know, just like you can create oh, three, three, 3D renders of like book yeah. covers. Type thing. Right. So you can do that with a little iPhone or a smartphone with, um, with earphones coming out of it or um, you know, something to indicate, say visually, this is an audiobook, this is in audiobook. You can actually do renders with all three. You can do the paperback, the ebook, and a phone with earbuds. Um, so that you're telling people with your social media marketing that there is an audiobook and you're including those links um in in that marketing effort. Um some people feel that it is really important to release the audiobook with the ebook. Uh, most people who are starting out in audio are not going to do that because you want to make sure that this book has got the legs to to warrant your investment. I think, I mean, I am someone who published everything in audio because that's where I came from. I separate them out. One, because I'm too slow of a writer to decide ahead of time who's going to be the narrator. Um, but I also feel like if you're not a, if you're not a fast releaser, that's a whole other release you get to talk about is the audiobook release. Um, so you feature that in your newsletter, in newsletter swaps you're doing, um, in this is where you do want to sort of replicate all the things you do to market any release. 
Um, the difference is you want to start to cultivate that audiobook audience. And, and one way to do that is in addition to graphics, to create short videos that you can put um, you know, square as well as vertical that you can put on Instagram as well as reels on TikTok, on YouTube shorts with those little teaser quotes, seven to 15 seconds, maybe 20, maybe 30 of the narrator's narrator or narrators reading the book that you include with that those images or moving images um, that give you a sense of what the book's about as well as the words written on the screen as the person is talking so um it's what you see in a lot of tiktok videos with music in the background and you'll see the words what i suggest people do is use their narrator's voice as the audio because again, that says that's selling this performance as well as the book and what the book's about itself. Um, so that's a different thing that you want to do. Um, the other thing is to begin to engage with your audience, however you already engage with them, about audiobooks. In your newsletter, I think is a really big way to talk about it. Um, you can talk about casting the book. You can talk about um, what your, um, you can give your newsletter uh, people uh, sneak peeks before. You can even have, um, if you've got a big newsletter, you can separate it out and have an audiobook only, you know, edition um, so that people can sign up for that. I think the, the main thing you want to do is not just assume that it's the same audience, but also don't assume that it's not. You have to let your audience know that this is something you're doing and help them get excited about it. Right. Yeah, because there's going to be there's going to be people that found you as a as a uh, as a reader, but they also listen to audiobooks. And if, as long as they know that there's an audiobook out there, they might switch and start uh, doing that. Or so, by both, which is the- right. Well, that's even better. <laughs> the holy grail. So, but but what about? Um, I mean, there's a lot of like really good ideas there, um, but most of them are very specific to people that sort of already have that following. They already have, uh, you know. They have their newsletter, they have their readers and their social set up. But what about those people that are, you know, this is their first book. And I guess it sort of ties into the fact that you're saying, like what you're saying before is like, you write the book, you make sure there's legs to it before you'd want to go do the audiobook. So in that sense, that person is going to have something going on, but they're still going to be much closer to the beginning where they don't have a lot. Um, is there, you know, anything that they can do when they, don't have all these avenues of existing users to tap into? Well, there are um, uh, audio audiobook specific Facebook groups that are also some, many of them are genre specific, like paranormal. I mean, if you just go on Facebook and search paranormal audiobooks, um, there is likely a group of people talking about it. Um, the biggest one is uh, called aural fixation, A-U-R-A-L fixation. Um, and that is a good place 
I mean, it's it's a little dicey. You can't rely on the fact that people are definitely going to um, write your reviews. But if you're brand new and you have no audiobook listeners in your in your fan base, um, that can be a good way to get reviews and also just to talk about your books. Like what I recommend is people go in. The, you have to follow the rules. You can't, you know, just spam. Um, but in all these groups, um, but if you say, hey, I've got three U.S. and three U.K. codes to give away and put a little short video of um, of the book with uh, the narration attached to it um, and then give them, you know, just say comment with blah, blah, blah for a chance to win, then you've not only given away some review codes, but you've you've let people who are avid uh, listeners see your book. And that's where, or learn about your book and hear a little bit of it. And if you have at least one narrator who has somewhat of a following, then those people are likely to um, want to at least look at your book and go to the link and say, hmm, well, yeah, that's worth a credit for me to take a listen. Yeah, so I think they're... I think there's some narrators too that will um, tweet out, you know, or or whatever to their following that, uh, hey, I just recorded this this book, you know, and that's sort of one way uh, to also get some exposure to uh, people that don't know anything about you, but they follow that that narrator. And the best way to to make that happen is to give them the assets, just like you would with your, you know, if you've got bookstagrammers or book talkers that you you know and work with, give them the graphic, give them the links, give them the blurb, give them everything they need so that they don't have to go look for that stuff. Um, then it is much more likely that it will happen and it will be useful to you. Say if they don't, they do it without the link, then the person right. has to go find the book and they might spell your name wrong. And, you know, <laughs> so um, I think that is definitely a good thing to do. Um, you want to give both your your influencers and your narrators uh, time, you know, don't just say on release date, Oh, can you do this today? <laughs> you know, give people time and again, give them the tools they need to make it easy then. Um, and make sure you find out what their, um, their social media tags are. So, and tag them when you are posting, because then they're much more likely to repost or retweet or whatever it is that they're doing wherever they are um yeah i, think, yeah. I mean though, though that i mean those are like good ideas i like the idea of um you know because a lot i agree a lot of these facebook groups you can't just come on there and be like hey i released a new book right they don't really want that although i mean i don't know why because that is kind of the point of it but i guess they just don't it's self-promotion you know situations and they don't want spammy stuff coming on there um so, but, but the idea of, I have this giveaway, I have, you know, two or three codes to give away. It's like this, you know, you're, you're providing value. They're probably going to allow that a lot more than if you just say, I want to talk about my book. So you're kind of being like, Hey, I'm going to talk about my book and I'm giving these codes away. It's almost like a tit for tat there. So. Yeah. And I think they don't mind if you do things like narrator reveal, like, Oh, look who I've just cast to do this book. Um, then it's just that you don't want to be obnoxious. You don't want to go and post every hour on the hour on your release day or every day of the week. You know, it's more just being um, uh, 
courteous. I can't help being obnoxious. Well, you know. <laughs> um, unfortunately, we are approaching the top of the hour, so we're going to have to, to wrap things up. Karen, this has been such a fascinating discussion. And I think a lot of people, I think for me, I've always known that there's potential in audiobooks, And I'm one of that those three crowds that you identified that hasn't dipped into it yet. And stuff like this is very encouraging and, and like gives us a direction to follow on. Um, Craig, do you have any additional questions before we wrap things up? No, I think that, you know, we've, we've jam packed this one. So uh, we might end up having to get Karen back here at some point to talk about, I'm sure there's lots of things that we, we didn't cover on. And, um, but for, for this, I think that anyone who is uh, going the audio book route and hasn't yet, you know, really gotten into it, there's, there's all sorts of, of gems in this, in this talk for them to pull out. So uh, thanks a lot for coming on again, Karen. And if, if um, it went by too fast for people or we have more questions, I mean, my marketing um, website is homecookedbooks.com. And if you sign up for my newsletter as an author, you will get sort of my what to do before you record marketing checklist. And you can also just reach me there if you have questions. We'll make sure to pop a link uh, down in the description of this video. So if you're interested in following that, that's homecookbooks.com. So thank you so much. That was going to be my next question. Where could everyone find you? But you've uh, preemptively answered that question. So we very, very much appreciate having you on for a a second time. And yes, maybe we'll have you back for a third time. Thank you so much (laughs) for taking the time, Karen. All right. It's great to be here. Thank you. And if you appreciated what Karen had to say, make sure you leave a comment down below. Uh, Give this video or this uh, podcast a thumbs up and don't forget to subscribe. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Fully Booked. Thank you so much for supporting us. Bye bye.